is The Next Trip Podcast with aviation insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 110, operating on January 3rd, 2022. This is Drew, and I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Doug. We're two ab geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Doug, it's December 31st for us, but, uh, 2021, but it's the next year for our listeners. It is. Yeah. Happy 2022, everyone. Get ready for another year of fun and aviation talk with Doug and Drew. Drew, before we get to your trip, yeah. 20, 2022, this is our fourth, I, our fourth calendar year of doing this podcast. Our fourth calendar year? We didn't start in 2018. 19. 19. 19 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 22. 22, yeah. Yeah. That's three. No, 19, 20, 21, 22. That's four calendar years. Yeah, that's true. I can't believe. I mean, I feel like we've been doing this podcast for a year, much less more than two years. Yeah, it's it's crazy. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? as we mentioned, you took one last trip. How was it? You went to Austin. Looks like it was warm. Nice weather. Yeah, it was warm. It was basically like a little family reunion because it was my mom, my brother, my nephews. And it was concerning because Omicron is spreading like wildfire. Mm-hmm. So I told my mom, you know, just cut cut your trip short. Let's just spend three days and just hang out with each other. She's home now. She's fine. The family's fine. But it was a risk. But it's one of these things where is it worth the risk? I don't know. I think it was. No, I, I think. So. Yeah, I, I think so at this point. And I, I mean, the data is changing or not, not necessarily changing, but we're getting more info coming out. And I know this isn't a news story this week, but I, mm-hmm. before we came on, I was just reading it's yeah. going down in South Africa. The wave is going down and the yeah. UK is saying that it's nowhere close to the same uh, as Delta when it comes to how severe it is for the people who are getting it. So it's it's turning into almost the common cold. Like I, I hate to downplay it. I hate to, hate to downplay it like that. Yeah. Yeah. We may have read the same article because, um, was it NPR that you saw that on? Uh, It was the wall street, wall street journal. Yeah. Wall street journal. Okay. So uh, it's probably everywhere, but the cases in South Africa in November, they were 23,437 a day. Mm -hmm. That's now gone down to about 10,000 and it's going down further. But Doug, for us, it's 356,000 cases a day. Mm-hmm. During the peak of COVID last year, it was 250,000 and we were all freaking out. Yeah. But this is what it is. So they're thinking it'll be up to 400,000 by mid-January, but only 1,300 people are dying every day versus 3,000 last year. So it's mm-hmm. much less it's severe. much less severe and yeah. a lot of people are vaccinated. Just like I always say, I don't want us to get complacent, you know, still have precautions when you're traveling and mm-hmm. when you're going out yeah <laughs> did you like that uh little uh uh cartoon i sent you not the cartoon but the uh the best place to be the best yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah if you guys watch saturday night live there's this guy i think his name is stefan it's like this really cool dude that knows where all the hip clubs are <laughs> yeah he goes the coolest place in 2021. It's staying at home. Yeah, the hottest club. Yeah. The, you have VIP access to your refrigerator. You have right. your couch. I, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, good. there's no waiting for the labs. There's no cover <laughs> charge. Wait for the for the labs. <laughs> yeah, for the for the, for bathroom. the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> this is an aviation podcast, so we we have to call the bathroom the lab. <laughs> yeah. So I gotta tell you, so just real quick about my trip. Nothing big, but you know, it was nice to travel. And of course, um, I chose at least one domestic wide body. Mm-hmm. And also my mom was going back to San Francisco. So why don't I told her, why don't we travel together to Houston and mm-hmm. then go on our way there? I had a real conundrum and I texted you on what I should do because <laughs> the lines were long in Austin to get through security. And I mm-hmm. wanted to hit the club, even though we only had about half an hour. Yeah. So my mom didn't have TSA pre-check. And I did, and there's no line. And she was like, oh, you should just go, just wait. And I'm like, I felt so bad doing that. But then I thought, okay, I'll be chivalrous. So I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll go. But let me take your bag. Oh, yeah, right? nice. So that, right, it's past her screening and some of our mutual stuff is in there. So I go through, it takes me five minutes and then I'm waiting for 15 minutes. And I'm like, should I go to the club and wait for her there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. I think I did the right thing and I waited. Um, but lost 15 minutes of club time. Yeah. What would you have done? Uh, my my parents would have told me go. Okay. 
And if if they told me go, I, I probably would have. But I, I would have done the same thing. Bring the bring the bag through. And you know, you know that my dad would have. Not, oh, she, he would have. He, he wouldn't have hesitated. He would have no, been like, yeah, "All right, I, I'm going. I'll see you on, on the other side." <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and your mom is younger, and she's probably more, you know, walks faster and stuff. Yeah. But I think if I had gone, I would have softened the blow. Not that my mom would have cared at all. You would have she gotten a drink like, ready no, for but, her. What did you just say? I said you, you would have gotten a drink ready yes. for her. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I, I would have had like a coffee and a muffin ready yep. to get rid of that guilt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great trip. So, and one little item of note. So, we got to uh, Houston and I noticed the flight that my mom was on was on the airplane that I was on the delivery flight for in 2020. Mm hmm. And I was telling her this on the way there, and she was not really grasping what I was talking about. When, but when we were there looking at the plane, she was like, oh, it's so it's so pretty. And so I was on this plane, and I showed her the pictures from mm -hmm. Seattle. And then she was really excited. And she's like, oh, can you take a picture when it's, when it's, um, when it's taxiing out? Yeah. yeah, so she really, really got into it. And I didn't tell her, but I upgraded her to a, a bigger seat. So she was excited about that. What, so what it was kind of like our Christmas. What did she say? She was like, wow, this, these seats are really nice. She had no idea that oh, it's yeah. separate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, I got to get her TSA pre-check because uh, number one for her, but if I ever travel with her, I don't want to lose that 15 minutes of club time. Yeah. You're <laughs> lucky it was only 15 minutes because I've seen lines that were, that were a lot longer than that. Yeah. Okay. Now... Um, let's get to your trip. You flew the hot rod 737 700 again this week. Did she climb to the moon again, as you said? <laughs> and uh, what's this about? You flew to Sacramento, SAC, as you call it, or SMUF, as most airline call <laughs> airline people call it, maybe not pilots. And you were staying at a hotel a few few miles from your house. What's that yeah, all about? But man, the, this last trip was pretty crazy. It was five days, lots of changes. Uh, I know we said that we were going to be recording in person, and right. I, I woke up on Sunday morning, I think it was, and, and the schedule completely changed. I ended up in, well, actually, we have to talk about this, Liberia. Liberia. Liberia, so Costa Rica. And oh, you, you, you We're going to get so many of our listeners upset. Yeah, you, you <laughs> said, I think, I think it was Mike, your, your buddy Mike, who, who would be like, wait, I didn't realize we fly to Liberia on a 737, <laughs> thinking Africa. And Drew... <laughs> Steven, who was on who was on the, the cargo episode uh, a couple right. episodes ago, I texted him and, and said I'm I'm off to Liberia, and he was like, "Wait a minute, is it is this an Air Force trip? Like, what what why are you going to Liberia?" And I said, "Costa right, Rica, like a reserve trip." Yeah, and he was like, "I didn't even know there was a Liberia, Costa Rica." And even Marissa is like, "Can you just call it Costa Rica? Stop calling it Liberia." Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, but "That's the city. That's, that's, that's where I'm name. going. I'm going to Liberia." Yeah, in fact, that's where most of the tourists go, right? The people that are going there for for fun that's closer to the resorts and stuff right yeah my friend mike who's one of the smartest guys that i know probably he's so, so smart he creates a lot of tools for us and comes up with great ideas and he's telling me hey cruise uh we're gonna have crew issues mate we may have to cancel your uh what is it laos, laos your flight yeah. to africa <laughs> <laughs> and i was laos are you yeah. kidding me so then i sent her sent him uh an air map from a flight from DC to Laos. Yeah. I'm like, man, that's going to get me close to Sri Lanka. I didn't know we flew there. <laughs> so then of course that whole weekend, it's like, Oh Mike, I gotta, I gotta go to work at these Laotians home for their Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but no, Drew, on, on this, on this Liberia flight, we really stretched the range of the 737. Oh, wait, stop. I didn't explain. We're laughing because the, the city was Lagos and it was LOS and he thought it was Laos. It was Laos. Yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't, we didn't have to explain that. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's good. Cause the listeners will probably be confused. Like, no, yeah. on, on this, on this flight, we flew from San Francisco to Liberia and it was almost 3,200 miles is what we ended up flying. 3,200 statue miles. Drew, I, I looked it up. That day's Boston to Dublin flight on Aer Lingus was, mm -hmm. shorter, was shorter in both distance and time than my flight from, from San Francisco to Liberia. Were you flying a 737-800? It was, yes, it was an 800. Because um, I did some research for this episode and the range is 3,113 nautical miles. Mm -hmm. So you were at the edge of its performance. Yeah, we did about, tw it was about 2,800 nautical miles. 2750. Okay. I, I yeah, think that's what, what the box said. Yeah. Huh. Well, and, and here's the thing. I looked it up. 
that the flight that I did was longer distance wise than London to Dubai, mm-hmm. Seoul to Singapore, Mumbai to Taipei, Quito to Chicago, Boston to Dublin, and Addis Ababa to Barcelona. For all of and our international listeners, that's most, that's how far this flight was. And almost all of those that you just noted are are operated by wide body. Wide bodies, bodies. exactly. I tried to find routes that that the listeners would know and and that were operated by wide bodies. Now, I, something funny happened on this trip. The flight attendant on on one of my flights rang the call button and and asked if I would be dining with them this evening. You know, we we laugh about the first class service. And, and are you like, dining with us? Flight attendants have said yeah. that it's like yeah. yeah. So she, I, I was in the I was in the flight deck, and she was asking if I was going to eat my crew meal, and she was like, mm-hmm. "Mr. Doug, Dougie Fresh, will, will you be dining with us this evening?" <laughs> did she say Dougie Fresh? Yes. <laughs> so she's probably my age. Did, did you have what you probably what we always have? No, I I've started doing special meal requests. The lighter oh, nice. lighter lighter choice beef and lighter choice fish. It comes mm-hmm. with like salmon, a bed of rice, or oh, I, nice. I got a really nice steak the other night. Okay. Yeah. That way Excellent. I don't get I, I don't get the chicken and Spanish rice or chicken orzo. I'm I'm kind of over that. Yeah, the standard issue. They gotta change that. It must have been like half of last year or this yeah. year. I did I deadheaded on one of the one of my flights, deadheaded from San Fran to Tampa and I had the chicken orzo. Because <laughs> that, that was all that was all there was. Yeah, I have so many pic- WhatsApp pictures of chicken orzo. I can't even count them anymore. Yeah, I should make well, a mosaic of. Now, drew, drew another note on that flight that I deadheaded. I've never seen this before. I, I was in first class, so I had a a, a close view of the lavatory. Mm-hmm. I would say over fifty percent of the people who went in and out of there walked out and didn't close the door. They just left the lap the forward lab door open, and the flight attendant had to close it. It was easily 50% of the people who went in. I had never seen that before. That's interesting. Now I'm thinking, do I close the door? If there's someone waiting, of course I don't. I don't think I've ever not. Huh. Yeah, it was it was just really bizarre. I, I had never seen that before. Final two things about that trip. Drew, I took off behind out of Tampa. I took off behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers charter plane. And what are they flying? Delta 767. Is it painted... No, no, it's no, it's it's just the normal, the standard charter. But it, you know, it was kind of cool because all the controllers were saying "Go Bucks, Go Bucks" every time mm-hmm. they would they would change to a different frequency. So that was cool. <laughs> Getting back to why I stayed at the hotel, I, I know that was a very divergent <laughs> conversation there. I, I had to get through all of my notes, and I I knew you would appreciate some of those things. <laughs> yeah, I was do. I landed at almost midnight, and I could have Ubered home. It, it wasn't. It, it was. Uh, the hotel is about. Oh, wait, 20. no, you gotta you gotta rewind a little bit. Seven thirty seven, seven hundred to. Oh Sacramento. yeah, to Sacramento. Yeah, was it full? It's it was. Mm-hmm. Does it have a lot of power when it's full too, or does that really affect it? It was not as much power as what what we had the previous trip going. For, I, where was I? I? It was Chicago to Fort Lauderdale the previous trip, I think. So it wasn't as much on. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't as much gas on that flight. But going from from Houston to Sacramento. We were we were actually pretty close to our our uh, our gross max takeoff gross weight, and we actually landed within a couple hundred pounds of our max landing weight. That's like that's oh that's how that's how heavy we were. Yeah, a couple hundred pounds. So if within you had a couple to divert, hundred pounds, even a diversion would have been risky because the closest would have been. Well, I guess you have a lot of airfields. You could go to Travis. You could go to mm-hmm. S- Oakland. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, San Francisco. That just seems like you're cutting it really close. 200, 200 miles worth of fuel. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm saying within a couple hundred pounds of our, our maximum landing weight. Oh, that's we were, okay. we were just below, yeah, just below our, our max landing weight. That's, that's how, mm-hmm. that's how heavy it was. And Drew, I don't know if you saw this on your trip. The airports were packed. What yeah. one of the one of the days this week we were at like ninety five or not, no ninety nine and a half percent of two thousand nineteen numbers. Wow. We we were within just a few thousand people on one of the days. Yeah, that's a lot. So back to the 737-700. Yeah. You know, we talked about this. It only has 128 seats. It's about the same as an A220-300. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really hope our airline gets the 737-7 Max because you could do so much with that. You can oh, yeah. fly Transcon one day, and the next day you could fly from Dulles to Charleston or mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. or from Atlanta to, uh, I don't know, um, what's a small city? Atlanta to Des Moines, you mm-hmm. know? 
I don't think we will though, unfortunately, because the the seat cost is higher on that. It's heavy. Yep. Yeah, be, because you you're basically paying the same crew. Yeah, maybe one less flight attendant, but you're mm-hmm. you're not getting the extra seats in there. So that raises the seat <laughs> cost, the cost per available seat mile, unfortunately. Yeah. Just from well, a, we're go- a business case. We're going to talk about the 737 a little bit more with these headwinds. In a, but, I mean, look at the range of this plane, not just in distance, but mm-hmm. in terms of what it does. So you're flying Transcon, right, in a 737, which could be a 900, which is, what is it, almost? It's 170 seats. Mm-hmm. Or you could be flying basically a regional route, right, with the same type of airplane. Yeah. I mean, all the things it can do. But with- they just need to get off their <laughs> Boeing needs to get off their butt and make something that's really competitive to an A220 300. Yeah. Right? Or really competitive to an A321. Yeah. You said 170 seats. That reminds me of the other night from Chicago to San Francisco with with infants and jump mm-hmm. seaters. We had 189 people on board. 189 189 200 seats almost okay. to almost 200 people on that side okay, that's mind blowing that's yeah. mind blowing because some of our premium uh, some of our premium 767s that have yeah. one more you know how many seats it has it's like 170 <laughs> 169 seats. yeah yeah 20 more seats on a 737 with one aisle yep. probably less bathrooms <laughs> yeah yeah exactly all right well i, I know we're kind of straying before we, before we move on to the next topic, I'm, I'm going to answer your question about why I stayed at the hotel and didn't go home when it was just a yeah. few miles from the house. I got in at midnight and I was flying a, a red eye the next night at midnight. I could have gone home, but I would have slept, slept in. I, I would have mm-hmm. seen my family for a few hours and then I would have had to take a nap, plus getting the Uber to and from. So what, what we did instead was I slept in. Marissa went up to Sacramento with the girls. We spent the day going to a train museum, got a nice dinner, early dinner. I went back to the hotel and got a nap. So I got to see the mm-hmm. family the same amount of time that I would have anyways, if, <laughs> if I had gone home. Did that feel weird when they were dropping you off at a it hotel did. in it Sacramento? Felt, it did. It felt really weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Well, but, I'm glad. I mean, that was, um, that was, uh, um, uh, that's like your last trip where you were, you were in Minneapolis and you got mm-hmm. to see family. Yeah. So you're, it's coordinating really well with um, your family yeah. needs too. Yeah, it's, it's working out. It's really cool. Enough of 2021. What do you say we move on to 2022, Drew? Let's dive in with something we love doing, forecasting what will happen next. I think one of the listeners referred to us as next trip Adamus. <laughs> <laughs> pronounce that perfect. No, Doug, I wish. We, we are wrong on a lot of things. I mean, one of my big blunders was I thought for sure Alitalia would be alive it's Mm -hmm. 2021 and they're gone and now it's ita right who would have thought so we're not right all the time but i would say we are right more than half of the time when we make predictions like we suggested the shade a shades up policy that the airline should have it and sure enough one major airline has it hopefully others will follow suit we were right about the 2021 passenger loads we we were really bullish on that that they Mm -hmm. would be high for, for this summer which they were right and then we also said that you, and I agreed with you, that uh, there would be a pilot shortage. And boy, is there a pilot shortage to the mm-hmm. point where, where airlines are canceling, canceling flights. flights. We don't have enough pilots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's see how we do this year, Doug. I will, I will start. I kind of showed my cards because I put out a poll for our listeners and it has my thoughts. I don't know if you looked at uh, what I thought, but my top three were, and we just talked about the 737 and how it's being stretched like crazy. I feel like Boeing will launch the 797. Okay. That's my number one. Number two is 2022 summer load factors will exceed 2019, uh, especially in the, I'm talking about the US mostly, but I think around the world, sustainable fuels will expand. I think we'll see more of that. Mm. And I actually had a fourth one. I think the SST supersonic transport will come closer to reality. What do you think? Yeah, mine mine are kind of close to yours. Uh, I want to come back to the 797 after I say mine. Mine mm-hmm. are, I think, more airlines are going to order Boom. Right now, it's just JAL and United. And you said the Air Force. U.S. Air, US Force, Air yeah. Force, I think more airlines next year are going to place orders for Boom. I think Asia is going to open up. Right now, Asia is, is still very much closed off. And I think that more countries around the world, Asia especially, are going to I don't want to say embrace where COVID is now, but, mm-hmm. but come come to terms with this thing is never going away. We can't keep the borders closed. Asia, I think, will open up next next year. 
or this year, I guess, since we're in 2022 now. And then uh, along with what you said, I think global traffic will reach 2019 numbers by the end of the year, not just in the mm-hmm. US. I'm, I'm saying I think global traffic will, will be wow. back. To so you're even more bullish. That's great. 2019. Okay. Now I want to come back yeah. to that, to the 797. Drew, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all in. I, I, I hope it happens. I was doing some research on this. Boeing knows that they need it. Mm-hmm. Airlines need it. But the problem is Boeing doesn't have the, the cash flow right now because they're dealing with the max still the max crisis still right they're dealing with 787 production issues that they haven't Mm -hmm. been able to deliver so even if boeing wanted to do it they don't have the available cash flow to launch a billion dollar research and and development and engineering program for a new airplane right now i have an idea for that I, i don't know if all the infrastructure money has been spent but this is something that they could partner with the federal government on if it's a plane that's that can use sustainable fuels or at mm-hmm. least be more fuel efficient. Mm-hmm. Maybe Boeing can get some zero interest loans from the federal government or get NASA or s- other people to chip in with mm-hmm. some technology and some help. Yeah. Cause it, possibly, I mean, it would possibly. help the country. Yeah. We'll see. You want to hear what our, uh, what our listeners thought? Yeah. Our, our <laughs> listeners, the, the top choice was 55% the 2022 summer exceeds 2019. 26% thought that, thinks that Boeing will launch the 797. 17% say sustainable fuel expands and only 2% say the SSD is closer to reality. Even though you and I both think that'll be a story. Yeah. Do do you think it'll be boom or do you think it'll be some other SSD? I think that's the most that's the furthest along. I think it'll be boom. Yeah, because there was that other company that already shut their doors and boom is the one who's getting the news attention, who's getting the the funding, the money. I, I think it'll be boom. They're starting to do some concrete things. They're negotiating for that manufacturing space at uh, Greensboro Airport. Mm-hmm. So we'll watch that story because once you know they're building their brick and mortar building, you know, to to make this thing, that's getting closer to reality. Yeah. Should should we read the comments? Yeah. Do you want to alternate? Yeah. This is from uh, our friend Ryan Kaufman. He's in North Dakota. He says if they are serious about it, SAF or sustainable aviation fuel. We'll need a big helping hand to start, and it needs to start soon. My other guess would be long-haul single-aisle ops. I um, think a lot of airlines will give it a try. I agree with him on both. Yeah, single-aisle. I think we, JetBlue, United, uh, I think American has some A321 XLRs on order. So I think we'll Frontier. see a lot of them. Frontier mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And Frontier, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reggie said single-pilot operations get closer to reality. That's it's a good one. I, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily... Um, like it <laughs> agree with it but no I, I think i think reggie is right yeah i think who is your uh one of the cargo pilots was it matt matt mm-hmm. yeah he says it's in- inevitable i think i think he said that that is probably inevitable or yeah. it may have been steven so tyler said i bet it will be something that nobody saw coming wow we'll make a note of that yeah we'll go you. back and yeah, it was tyler who said thank you tyler sure enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that's ominous yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> then richard said i think it will get back to the way it was and everyone who has been sitting around will want to get going that's a, that's a really good one that's a good one too mm-hmm. and that segues well to the next one steve Tao said people are stir crazy and will want to travel despite the risks but maybe the biggest story will be a vaccine mandate on planes and in parentheses he has Still applies to summer 2022 being bigger than summer 2019. Do you think that that's doable? I personally don't think they're going to even go there. I think politically it's poison. Yeah. I think the administration just wants to, I hate to say this, take a risk and not do that because it's so politically Mm -hmm. um, polarizing. uh, Polarizing. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think so because the administration has already backed off of several, several mandates that they initially put into place. They're going more to states making making choices as opposed to big federal you know federal mandates and and things like that so i think they're going to i think they're going in the opposite direction of where where they would need to be heading if they were going to do a mandate it's almost like they're working to manage the the pandemic versus stop it yeah (laughs) you know what i'm saying it was a cdc brought down the quarantine period from 10 days to five days Mm -hmm. and part of that was with airlines for america which is the big lobbying group for airlines asking the government can you reduce it because we just don't have the staffing and the cdc the scientists agreed with it Mm -hmm. or they they were okay with it so now it's you get sick and you're non-symptomatic in five days you can come back to work yeah 
So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. And then Matt said, I'm hoping it's 2022 exceeds 2019. That would mean that COVID is no longer a major concern. And we, we kind of led with this. We, we, we said, mm-hmm. even though the cases are spiking, it's yeah. starting to get to the point where it really isn't a concern to a lot of people. The, the media is still covering it, but a lot of people are saying, I'm just going to take the precautions. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to go. And, and that's part of why I think 2022 worldwide is going to be better than 2019 because not, not to say people are tired of it, not to say people right. aren't, aren't worried about it. They're saying it's time to, to just get back to where we were. With, yeah, with and as we said, the, the virus is becoming less virulent, virulent mm-hmm. and more people are vaccinated. So we just can't step off the gas with the boosters and the vaccination because that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Doug, we'll circle back or we should um, do a go around because that's more aviation related. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no more um, circling back. We're doing no, go, uh, that's we're so doing 2021. Yeah, we're doing go arounds. <laughs> go around. That's what we call it at the end of the year and see how we did. Um, I actually lied about uh, diving into 2022, Doug, because we do have some unfinished biz- 2021 business to discuss. What happened this week? This is from CNBC, but it's been reported everywhere. Omicron hits airline crews and sparks hundreds of holiday flight cancellations. U.S. airlines have canceled hundreds of flights over the Christmas holidays, citing an increase in COVID cases among crews. Airlines expected the year-end holiday period to include some of the busiest days since the pandemic began. Through Sunday, the 26th, the TSA screen nearly doubled the number from a year ago, but it was around 15% lower than 2019. Carriers, including United, Delta, American, and JetBlue, cited the spread of Omicron among crews as the reason for the cancellations, while bad weather also played a role. Last Monday after Christmas, airlines had canceled more than 800 U.S. flights, an improvement from the 1,500 they scrubbed on the Sunday, but a sign that problems were continuing into the week. United canceled 87 flights on Monday, 4% of its schedule, down from 118 a day earlier, according to FlightAware. Delta canceled 64 flights Monday, compared to 189 Sunday, and Alaska canceled 98 flights. SkyWest canceled close to 200. Spirit also canceled 93 flights on Saturday and Sunday, and offered flight attendants double pay to pick up trips this weekend. Separately, there's some hope for airlines now that the CDC has shortened the isolation period for asymptomatic and fully vaccinated individuals who contract COVID-19 down to five days now from where it was at 10, as you mentioned a little bit ago. Drew, my trip got all kinds of scheduled changes because of, I'm I'm guessing Mm -hmm. this, because crews and airplanes and lots of things were out of place. My mom's trip on Christmas Day got canceled a couple of days before. But I was talking to her and I said, this is probably best because it's probably better if you're there for less days anyway. And she was mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. And she wasn't going to be there until late Christmas Day anyway. So it's yeah. not like she was there for, you know, opening presents and stuff. Yeah. My, my red eye to Fort Lauderdale on Christmas Eve canceled and I deadheaded out the next day. Yeah. That's what messed up your uh, Dulles trip. Yeah. That's that every, that's where the, that's where the snowball really started to, to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually bought revenue tickets. My mom bought a revenue ticket. I bought a revenue ticket because I didn't want to roll the dice with with the loads. And it's yeah, and Doug, it's not just crew. Seattle has had a horrible winter storm the last yeah. few days, and they're still not. The snow is melting, but they're still not back to normal. Yeah, my Liberia flight was delayed by almost two hours because the inbound was coming from Seattle. Yeah, it's a a ripple throughout the country. All right, next story. Uh, this is from Bloomberg. Back to the 737. This, they're going to start calling us the 737 podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I am a 737 so, pilot. <laughs> right. So yeah, we are we are biased. Bloomberg, this is a good, good news story. So the Boeing 737 MAX is finally allowed to fly in Indonesia two years after the crash. After uh, the 737 MAX crash, Indonesia became the latest country to allow Boeing Company's 737 MAX planes back in the skies. This is joining Ethiopia in lifting the ban on the aircraft. The crash in both countries more than two years ago. Indonesia suffered the deadliest crash involving the jet in October 2018, which killed 189 people on board a Lion Air flight. The second crash in Ethiopia involved the same type just five months later that claimed 157 lives. That led to a worldwide grounding of the aircraft and subsequent investigations that revealed design flaws in the flight control system. I mean, we're so past that, Doug. Mm -hmm. I am not concerned about flying a 737 MAX. I'm excited when I see the MAX, you know, when I'm looking at my flight plans, just knowing that it's a cool new plane and all the safeguards it has now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love flying it. I'm I'm disappointed on trips when I don't get to touch the MAX, at least for one of my flights. 
Drew, you mentioned that we are the 737 podcast, so let's move on to something else that is not 737 related, and it's Mm -hmm. another Boeing product that's going through some ups and downs. The pun is intended. (laughs) (laughs) What's up and what's down with the 777, Drew? (laughs) I wrote the script for this, so I I apologize. (laughs) So bad. And even when you were reading it, you knew it was bad. <laughs> Just now I could tell. <laughs> You're laughing because it's bad. It's not funny. All right. Well, let's start with some good news on the 737 on the 777-200s with Pratt & Whitney 4000 engines, Doug. So the FAA filed a pair of proposed directives that require strengthening the engine inlets and adding shielding on Pratt & Whitney engines on the 777-200 and 300 aircraft. This is in response to the planes being grounded after a 777-200 departed Denver February 2020. It had an uncontained engine failure where the front cowling came off after an engine blade came lo- became loose. There's no specific date, but United may be flying these aircraft in early 22, 2022. Mm-hmm. Early, yeah, next week. Yeah, yeah next that's, week, early 2022. That's, that's really good news. I, I know JAL retired there, Pratt & Whitney triple sevens so it doesn't really yeah. it doesn't really impact them but yeah th- this is great news and actually can can i add another triple seven triple seven story it's not related to this what did i send to the group yesterday about a, a former delta yes yeah delta triple seven in uh in in phoenix cardinal yeah the arizona, arizona cardinal yeah arizona cardinals yeah they the arizona cardinals became the the second NFL team, American football team to purchase their own airplane. And it's, it still has the Delta one, the brand new Delta one suites inside the, the premium economy. So the Cardinals are going to be traveling around in, in style now. Do you know if that's the one you were on? No, I was flight? on, I was on an LR. The, this is one okay. of their, one of their ERs. So Jal had 13, they retired all of them. ANA had um, seven 300 series, which they mm-hmm. retired all, but they are keeping six of them. What was it? No, thir- no, 13. 13 of their Dash 200s they're expected to bring back to service as ANA. soon as uh, the ANA. Okay, that's good. Yeah, 13. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, United has the most. So when we're talking about this, it's mostly United. They have about 50 I think it's examples. 50, 52, I, I think is the number 52. Yeah, that I read. Yeah. United has 44 other 777s, which are GE90 versions, uh, Dash 200s and 300s. Those are all flying. Mm-hmm. But this is going to be huge. If summer is as big as we think it's going to be, and United is adding fifty-three planes back into the system, that's going to be that's going to help them really take advantage if the loads go up for the summer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. More good news on the triple seven two hundreds in the air by twenty twenty two, but we don't expect any triple seven Xs being serviced this year. Triple seven X had a splashy Dubai Air Show display, but the plane may not get may not get FAA certification until 2023. This is due to many concerns, including flight control incident during a test flight last year in December, actually two years ago now, because this mm-hmm. is 2022. It was, 2022. It, was, yeah, it was in December 2020 when the plane experienced an uncommanded pitch event, meaning the nose of the aircraft pitched up abruptly and down without inputs from the pilot. Boeing has 320 orders for the 777X from ANA, Emirates, Singapore, BA, Cathay, Lufthansa, Qatar, and Etihad. And Drew, I don't think they've gotten a new order in the last several years for this airplane. No, no, because who knows when it's going to be in service. I think people are still, you know, they're they're still reeling from the 737 MAX issues. Mm -hmm. And then here we have another issue that sounds like an autopilot failure. Yeah. If the nose is pitching up and down uncontrollably is mm-hmm. what they're saying ha- happened. And the FAA, if, if this plane has problems when it's in service, the FAA is concerned about their credibility too, because if it happens again, so I think they might be overly analytical on um, overly, uh, what's the word, reluctant to get mm-hmm. to certify this plane until they know everything is, yeah. is um, taken care of. Well, and it, this, this sounds bad, the uncommanded pitch event. But in what people need to realize is in flight testing, these things happen. And and that's why the manufacturers put the airplanes through flight testing. And I yep. can't I can't tell you the last brand new airplane that was delivered on time. The A three fifty was late, the, the seven eight seven was late, the A three thirty Neo was late. Mm-hmm. Airplanes air, brand new airplanes don't usually get delivered on time. Because, yeah. they, because they need to be certified and make sure that they're safe and, and get through these these growing pains of a brand new airplane. 
Yeah. But in the meantime, they're looting, losing uh, orders to the A350-1000. You know, as the loads start coming back, they're going to need to have something that has a lot of seats, like the 777-300. So mm-hmm. hopefully it'll be certified. Well, they say 2023. It just seems like such a long time, Doug. Even yeah. for, you know, the plane is complete. It's already flying. I really, I stay tuned because we'll, we'll discuss the progress of this plane and what the problems are where they can't get it certified in 2022. Mm-hmm. All right, another positive story, however, um, and it's triple seven related. The GE ninety dash nine four B engine, which powers triple sevens, reached one hundred thousand flight hours. Doug, GE nineties on KLM and Aust- Austrian triple sevens reached the significant significant milestone to be followed soon by others, according to the GE Aviation blog. These engines now join the GE CF six in accruing this much flight time, which is equivalent to eleven years of continuous flying. Doug, I understand you have some experience with GE engines. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I haven't flown anything else. I, actually, no, I, I take that back. When, when I flew beach jet 400s in pilot training, just a little business jet, that wasn't GE. But, 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 but let me understand. If not including training, you've only flown, well, until your new job, mm-hmm. you've only flown an airplane with GE CF6 engines. Yeah, the, the last 10 years. Yeah. Were they very reliable? They were very reliable. Yeah, they are great engines. I never had any any engine issues at all in my in my time on the on the KC ten and on the seven three G engines, no issues so far. Mm-hmm. So you had three engines at about was fifty thousand pounds or fifty six thousand pounds of thrust. Yeah, fifty two five per engine. Fifty two five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So times three, that is um 100 and 156,000 pounds of thrust, right? Yeah. Would you ever think that one engine Would could be provide 135,000 pounds No, that's, of that's crazy. <laughs> and that is the GE90. I think it's been, it's gone as high as 135,000 pounds. But the ones that uh, our airline flies, they're rated at about 100, 115,000. Mm-hmm. I Can I say I love the sound of the GE90 starting up? that whine when, when it first starts, like you could be at an airport or outside an airport and you hear that noise and you can tell that that's a triple seven, that its engines are spooling up. It, it's just such, such a great engine, such a great sound. Congrats to GE and congrats to KLM and Austrian as well. And Drew, what, what does this show? It shows the reliability of those, of those engines, of those airplanes. Mm-hmm. Cause I think, I think KLM got those triple sevens back in the, early to mid 2000s. I mean, they've been they've been flying them hard for the last 15 plus years. So you flew that for about 10 years. Uh huh. So now you're on the 737. So you are you're still flying GE engines. still GE engines. CFM 56, which mm-hmm. is GE. And I don't know how if I'm pronouncing it right. Safran Safran. It's a European. Yeah, yeah it's a, a consortium of the two. Yeah, I, yeah. I can tell and that's you. the only engine on the 737. It is, yeah. The max is really interesting. The The startup time on the NGs per engine is about 45 seconds. That's it. Once I hit the hit the ground switch, 45 mm-hmm. seconds engine is, is started. The max is over two minutes per engine to start the up. The max is over. Okay, so the max is over two minutes. And considering your DC-10 had engines from the 60s or 70s, it would be like my dad who used to start up our Chevy Impala like half an hour before we were ready to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, how long was the startup on a CF6? <laughs> you know, I, I never I never timed it now that I'm thinking about it. It was, it was probably about a minute, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Drew, speaking of engines, we both had issues this week with our airline's transcon flights powering through some strong headwinds going west. Yeah, we did, Doug. It was really difficult. So heavy loads during the winter ops or during the Christmas week operations. And this added to it. A lot of our flights from my station are going to the west coast. It mm-hmm. could be San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle. So a lot of traffic going west. During the travel week, with full flight, some of our 737s going to the West Coast had weight restrictions due to winds. Just describing the winds, we have headwinds going west. When you're la- Tell me if I'm explaining this right, but when you're landing and you're a pilot, you love a headwind because mm-hmm. you can come in slower. Yeah. And when you're taking off, you love a headwind. You want to fly into the wind so you can, you know, you can get lift and take off faster, use less runway. But when you're flying transcon, it's very difficult, especially when you're on a plane which is already close to its maximum range. 
So we had the choice <laughs> on some of these 737 flights, and I have choice in quotes. <laughs> we could either hold customers off or make a fuel stop. So what we do is, you know, if it's 10 customers, customer service will ask for volunteers. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not controllable by the airline, they do give them something to move to another flight. But Doug, when it's 15, during the holiday season, no one wants to give up their seat. They're going for some event. Mm -hmm. Those are very hard to get volunteers. So what we've done is we ask NOC or NOC will dispatch. We'll just say we're going to do a field stop without even us asking them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where we stop. Uh, we've been stopping in Denver, Kansas City, you know, and it's a quick stop. It's an hour. And we've been doing it in a way where those connections on that flight would still make their connection at L.A. or San Francisco. So mm -hmm. it's been working out pretty well. And then we explain to the other 150 customers what the weather issues are and we get everyone home for the holidays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a really good way to think about headwinds is think about, I think we've talked about this too, think about a river. If you've boated or, or gone swimming in a river, if you're going downstream, meaning you're, you're mm -hmm. going with the river and you look at the, the shore, it's going by a lot faster because you're actually, you're, you're uh, actually uh, uh, an easier way to explain it is a moving walkway at, mm -hmm. at an airport. You get on a moving, yeah, uh, moving walkway you are moving faster than the people who are not on the moving walkway, even though you're both walking at the same speed. Now, if you get on the moving walkway backwards, you are still walking as fast as the people who are walking normally, but you are not covering as much ground as quickly because you're fighting, mm -hmm. you're fighting that moving walkway. That's exactly what, what headwinds are like right now during the winter drew the jet stream is powerful. I, I had a 150 knot headwind the other day, meaning I was, I was yeah. moving across the ground more than 150 knots slower than I would have been if there was no wind, 300 knots slower than if I had turned around and gone back the other direction. Right. So that, that just shows you like how, how much, how much time and that's all extra gas that the airplanes have to burn and carry yeah. to be able to do it. Drew, when, right. we when we took off from Tampa to fly to San Francisco on Christmas, we actually had to run our engines for a couple of minutes before takeoff because we were too heavy because we oh, were, wow. we were fully maxed out on passengers mm -hmm. and we had to leave bags. We had to leave almost 30 bags oh, that, that, would, okay. that would come in on a, on a later flight or a, a uh -huh. different flight. They were <laughs> if that later flight has any room. <laughs> well, there, yeah, there were, they, it was already planned. The, mm -hmm. the gate agent okay. told us it was planned through Houston, I think. And, and the bags then would get shipped straight to where, wherever the passengers whatever hotel or, or whatever house the airline paid for that. But right. it, it got to the point where our fuel, we were landing in San Francisco, basically at, at min fuel already. Mm -hmm. There was moderate turbulence. Our, our choice from dispatch was we either fly through the moderate turbulence because we can't change the altitude. Cause if we went mm -hmm. to, if we went to a lower altitude, we would burn too much gas and we would, we would have to divert. So the choice was a comfortable ride with a divert. Okay. or stay at altitude so we can get to our destination and it's going to be bumpy for an hour for the passengers which put it yeah, put so it's moderate well. turbulence yeah. so it's not crazy they can still serve drinks no uh not no during, no okay. not during moderate so there was about an hour where we had the flight attendants sit down normally we would we would get a different altitude and, and try and get out of that because mm -hmm. it, it's not fun for the passengers when they're bouncing around for an hour and and there's no service but we we had no choice. We we couldn't change altitudes because if we had gone low, even for that hour, it, we we probably would have burned too much gas because you burn more gas lower to the point where we we probably would not have made it to San Francisco. This was from where? This was from Tampa, Tampa to San Francisco. Tampa to San Fran. Yeah, uh, our our airborne time was almost six and a half hours on that flight. Wow. Yeah, I keep remembering. You know, we always think about range by distance or I do. But then you said as a pilot, you look at your range by hours. Mm -hmm. You have this many hours of fuel left. Yeah. So just to give everyone an example. So from San Francisco to Washington, because of the jet stream, it's four hours and 30 minutes flight time. Mm -hmm. But the opposite direction from Washington to San Francisco is five hours and 13 minutes, 517 minutes. So the jet stream, the average jet stream speed is 110 miles per hour. These are westerly winds. The, the last two days or this week, it was up to 230 miles per hour, mm -hmm. the jet stream. Yeah. If you're going westbound, that adds 45 minutes. And we already talked about the 737-800 being at its max range just on a normal, right, with normal winds. Mm -hmm. 
now you have 45 minutes extra. So yeah. what does that mean? With a full load, you're making a diver- uh, a fuel stop. Yeah. Well, Drew, I, I deadheaded from San Fran to Tampa and then flew the, that same flight back that day or the same airplane mm-hmm. back. I, I was on the ground for an hour. And so I did San Fran, Tampa, San Fran, one, one direction with the wind and one direction mm-hmm. into the wind. My deadhead leg was four hours and 30 minutes from okay. San Fran to Tampa. The way home, as I said, was close to six and a half hours. It was almost a two hour difference between eastbound and westbound on the same route. Like that's 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 how crazy the winds are right now. We cannot say this enough. You know, we talk about wide body transcon. (laughs) (laughs) Here's another reason. (laughs) Because if you're on a 777 or a 787, you're not going to have to make a fuel stop. Mm -hmm. You get you go to San Francisco and keep going all the way to Honolulu you know, without needing <laughs> to make a, a stop. You could divert to Honolulu if San Francisco weather is bad. Yeah, yeah. If you had enough fuel. Well, we've had our <laughs> share of headwinds in the aviation industry this year as we dodged the pandemic, financial crisis, fuel costs, etc. It seems like we've been subjected to much hardship and we've adapted and succeeded. In 2022, how about we tell the industry what we want for a change? <laughs> Right. What we want instead of us us being the victims. (laughs) Yeah. So we thought we'd put out an AvGeek Bill of Rights, right? You know, there's a passenger bill of rights. We should have an AvGeek Bill of Rights with what we, the people who run aviation, want. Here's our draft. (laughs) And our listeners, feel free to, as Doug says, at us. (laughs) At us on Instagram or Twitter. Why does that always have a bad connotation? They can at us with some positive, right? Yeah, or that's it usually true. Bad? Usually it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Or contact, you can contact us on nextnetwork.com or email us with any recommended changes. So we'll wait. This is our draft, but we would like to hear from the aviation community on what we would want. And we know the airlines listen to this podcast. So <laughs> some of these things have actually come true, right, Doug? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's alternate. My number one need <laughs> in my AvGeek Bill of Rights is a tail and nose cam because it's so awesome, number one. And I think even, look, let's turn, let's deem it necessary for safety, right? If mm-hmm. something's happening, you know which side of the plane to get off because you can see outside the plane. Yeah. If I have to choose between a nose cam and a tail cam, I want both. But the tail cam is like you're flying with the plane and anyone who has flown on a plane, on a flight with the tail cam, I would rather, you're not going to believe I'm going to say this, but I would rather have a middle seat on a plane with a tail cam than a window seat on one without one. Whoa. Wow. Like, that's yeah, pretty big, so, huh? Someone's going to yep. at you for that. For yeah, sure, I don't care. Bring, <laughs> bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> the next one is shades up for takeoff and landing. Some airlines already do this, and they, they mm-hmm. say it's a safety reason. They, it is. Yeah. They, they make you put your shades up. Other airlines don't do this. So we're, we're saying that all airlines should make the shades be up for takeoff and landing. And again, we said this, I can't remember which year, but we said it. And a month later, one airline was making that part of their announcements. Yep. It's not a requirement. So it's not pitting the flight attendant against the passenger who refuses to open it. But I have, what I've seen is they, they do open mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So it's great. This is really important. Meals on flights. Meals on flights that are greater than two hours and snacks if it's less than two hours. I know that may not come true, but we're just putting it out there. What yeah. do you think? No, I agree because those transcon flights that I've been flying, if if you're in economy, you aren't getting a meal. Whereas right. when, when you go to Europe in economy, you do get a meal. And Drew, here's here's a great example. That mm-hmm. that Aer Lingus flight that I talked about from Boston to Dublin that was shorter uh-huh. than my San Francisco to Liberia, they got a yeah. full they got a full service in economy. On my right. on my flight, the passengers in economy didn't get a meal, mm-hmm. even though it was yeah. even though it was a longer flight than that European flight was. Right, and you know the fares they the way they are to Europe right now, the people on your flight probably paid more. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a vacation destination and that's popular right now. And then you know these are avgeek problems. Tyler, one of our friends, was flying in a live flat seat from Orange County to Kennedy, and because of the jet stream. It sounded like he was complaining because he was, didn't have time short. for a second meal. Yeah, it was four hours and 15 <laughs> minutes or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I told him, just just tell them to bring it all at once so you don't miss anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The next one is in-flight entertainment screens on all seatbacks. And, and Drew, it's so funny that we're talking about this because a couple of years ago, when airlines started taking them out initially, mm-hmm. there, there are airlines in the U.S. who are actively taking them out. Because they said, well, everyone's got their own iPads and tablets and phones now. But 
we've we've talked about it on yeah. a lot a lot of our flights. It's just so nice to to have that screen in front of you. Yeah, airlines now, at least in the U.S. on on narrow body, some airlines in the U.S. are starting to put screens back in mm-hmm. the airplanes because they've they've heard. I think it was Scott Kirby at United who said that he was flying with his his kids on a flight kid on another carrier on yeah. another carrier and there are screens and and the kids <laughs> the kids said dad we should do this at united mm-hmm. and a couple weeks later bless that kid a whoever a couple <laughs> weeks later united announced it yeah uh-huh so i think what we need to do is uh reach out to the children of uh these airline ceos <laughs> yeah and you know send them like videos of tail cams or something uh, something that gets them yeah. you know that wow <laughs> yeah we we can add them we can add them on twitter <laughs> we can add, we're gonna get in trouble this is important atc channel on ife there's one airline that had a channel nine it seems less and less now i know that pilots can turn it on if mm-hmm. they want i don't even know if that's a possibility anymore i used to listen to that channel all the time yeah and you know that along with the tail cam I mean, that's better than Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, and it's safer. You know, <laughs> you can act like you're act, you're really engaged in the flying experience. The next one is AvGeek preboarding. I like this because as an AvGeek, you want to get on, you want to take pictures of of the cabin, and I I can tell you, I was really lucky for the last several years because active duty military boarded first, and and I there were lots of times where I was the first person on the plane, and I was able yeah. to, I was able to take some really great cabin photos. Mm-hmm. And av geeks like that kind of stuff, but when you're in boarding group five and the entire airplane is boarded, you feel really weird getting on the airplane and taking a cabin photo of 200 people staring at you. Right? Yeah, and there's privacy concerns because you don't want you know they you don't have their approval to take their picture and all that. But this is smart, and I'm not making this up. This is smart from a business perspective for the airlines. Oh yeah. What do av geeks do with their pictures? They post them. They post them on Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, whatever the kids are using, Reels, whatever that is. Yeah. Like keep being railroaded to Reels, TikTok, all the stuff that they use. Avgeeks love to show off their pictures. So you let the Avgeeks pre-board, right? They're going to take a lot of good pictures and videos, and your airline is going to get free advertising from the Avgeeks, mm-hmm. right? But then the concern is, how do you prove that you're an Avgeek for the pre-boarding? What you do is you flash your next trip swag, whatever you have. <laughs> your, your next trip leggings. Show up in your next trip leggings. Right, leggings, whatever. Yeah, because who else other than a nav geek would wear that stuff? Yeah, I don't know how you prove it. I mean, maybe the airline could have something where you register before and you get something like a TSA pre-check, like a little, you get a little logo there, like an av geek logo. With, mm-hmm. Yeah, with a yeah. little picture and a personal glasses on, you know, av geek. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's really smart. The next one is free messaging. I know Delta, United, and Alaska for sure. JetBlue. JetBlue does too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Free, Drew, it is such a game changer. It is. I used it all on my during my trip. Yes. It, it is a huge game changer. It, mm-hmm. if, if not for anything but to stay connected on the ground. I, I, and it, here's, here's a great example. When Marissa was pregnant with Poppy... She was like two weeks from her due date and I was flying out to California to be in a wedding. I didn't have messaging. And and so on that flight from Detroit to LA, which was like a four and a half, five hour flight, the whole Mm -hmm. time I was thinking is like, is she going to go into labor while I'm on this, on this flight? Now there's nothing I could have done about it. I can't, you know, if she had, I couldn't tell the captain, Hey, we need to turn around so I can get home to my, my pregnant wife. But to just yeah. to be able to know that and and have that connection and not have to pay fifteen bucks or twenty bucks whatever it is for the Wi-Fi to have that messaging. Well, yeah, and I I think this may actually sway someone's opinion on which decision on which airline to take. Because mm-hmm. if I see the fares and they're all the same, I'm going to take the one with free messaging because I want to stay connected to my family, just like you said. And also, if something goes wrong, if your flight is delayed, you can tell them, hey. Be at curbside at 3.30, not 3.15, because my flight's running a little late. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do stuff like that. Yeah. Next one. So this was recommended by a few of our friends. Uh, Reggie from uh, Twitter. He goes by at R-E-Q-Q-I-E-D. He said a dedicated plane spotting area. And I think Greg mentioned this. I think Tyler mentioned it also. Don't make us, you know, be a, a, a not a security risk, but a... Uh, uh, <laughs> make us look like a security risk because we're standing by the fence of the airport. <laughs> yeah. You know, have some spots for us that are dedicated. Like SFO opened that rooftop 
viewing yeah. area. I think they have a couple now. There are a couple. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, what do you think? What do I think? I think that's a, a great idea. I know, what is it? Dallas has Founders Plaza. Minneapolis has a dedicated spotting area now. You talked about San Francisco. Lots of airports are starting to do this. And, and, and as you mentioned, then you don't get the people at the fence, the security questions and, and issues. If you just create mm-hmm. a, a common spot where people can go and, and take photos. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Well, we had Roxy on the show from, uh, she's a flight attendant in Dubai, and she, I didn't even, she said plane spotting in that country is illegal because they're mm-hmm. concerned about security concerns. So definitely in Dubai or someplace where it is illegal officially, if they had a place where people could come, mm-hmm. you know, that's a known airlines, airplane spotter place. Yeah. I like this last one. This is from Steve Tao, our buddy Steve. He said, lounges at all airports. Someone shot this down. I don't know if it was Greg. He said, how can you have a lounge, you know, at an airport that's tiny, that has very few flights? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, if that's the case, make let all the airlines share that lounge. Yeah. Well, right in charge of Yeah. And a really good example is Colorado Springs, my parents' home airport. There is an executive lounge there that was paid for by like a local credit union or something Mm -hmm. first. I think it's first class passengers and any elites can access it for free. It doesn't matter what airline you're on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which airline is this? Which airport is this? Colorado Springs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So even small airports can have a a shared lounge like that. Well, in in a way it's like the escape lounge. We've got Mm -hmm. one where actually two in Sacramento and other smaller cities have small lounges, not necessarily an airline lounge because if you only have a couple flights a day per airline it doesn't make sense to to build it lounges make the travel experience so much more pleasant Mm -hmm. because and i'll just give you an example not from my perspective but from a civilian's perspective when i was changing planes with my mom in houston the connection time was three hours and she was asking what the connection time is and i said three hours and her first response was wow that's a really long time we went to a couple lounges and she was shocked at how quickly how the time, quick the time goes. Uh-huh. And then she left and my flight didn't leave for another two hours. So I'm like, yes, more lounge time. Yeah. And this is where yeah, go on our Instagram or Twitter. I posted a picture of my view from the lounge where I sat. Honestly, I could have sat there for another two hours on my computer mm-hmm. doing emails or doing whatever. It was so pleasant. Free food, free alcohol. I mean, if you guys can afford, if you travel a lot, definitely get lounge access. It is so worth it's it. It's a game changer. It definitely is. Yeah. It's a game changer. We got a suggestion from our buddy Ryan. He said the pilot must disclose cruising altitude, speed, and any landmarks along the way and which arrival they've been assigned. That's interesting. Drew, when I make the announcement, I always mm-hmm. I always talk about where we're going and what altitude <laughs> and everything. But the assigned arrival, that's that's interesting. <laughs> I would love it, Doug, but I'm gonna tell you ninety percent of our customers are gonna be care. like, please shut up so I can continue yeah. watching my movie yep. uninterrupted because I'll tell you sometimes when I'm watching a movie and I'm, I'm apologizing to all the crew members right now. I'm like, okay, I know the rules about masks. Can I please watch my movie without <laughs> being interrupted? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So another one, this is from Greg floor to ceiling gate windows with no dots. Yes. <laughs> Detroit. Yep. Detroit is terrible because there are dots on the windows and you can't take pictures of, of the airplanes. And Houston, I think it's Houston, uh, some of the new terminals have like these mm-hmm. lines on the windows, which make it almost... Why would you do that? Why, why would you do that? Maybe for sun yeah. protection or what, whatever? I, I don't know. Just put UV blocking on the windows and don't put dots. I 100% agree. We had... Not, so we had nine, right? We had nine things on the passenger bill of light, right? So let us know. We want to have 10. So we may delete one and add two or... We'll see, but well, Tyler, maybe when the next step- Tyler's mm-hmm. Tyler suggested something on our group text, kind of along the the lines of what Greg said. He said clean yeah. clean windows at the airports. Clean windows, yeah, because they're oh maybe that could be combined with yeah. you know the window clean windows with no dots. Clean clear windows. Yeah, I love that. I there's nothing more I hate. Well, this is an navigate problem when I'm on a flight and I go to the gate and there's no view of the plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's a that's when I was leaving Houston. I was on a 67. I wanted to send you a picture of it, but there's no there's a Hudson News there instead. (laughs) Yeah, like anyone needed an extra one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, Doug, we ran it hard this year. We powered through 2021, and we're ready for another year in this crazy industry. 
to our listeners, thanks for sticking with us. Our po This podcast is your show. So go on our website, nextstripnetwork.com, and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. Please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. We definitely went through a lot this year, Drew, but we're finishing strong. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support, for joining the conversation. Drew, thanks for doing it for another year with me. Here's yep. to Absolutely. dozens more. In, yeah, in the, we'll have some future. Future. Yeah. <laughs> and 100% completion 100%. 2021, Doug. It is, yes. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're looking to do the same in 2022. We'll see you next yep. week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. 